Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Sports Day. Julian DeStoop and Bryce McGain with you uh, for Nutrient Ag Solutions. Going further for Australian farmers, find your local branch at nutrient.com.au. Big morning Australian time coming up for the Socceroos. It's a quarterfinal against one of the big guns of the Asian Cup, South Korea. And one man will be calling all the action for 10 and Paramount Plus is Simon Hill, who joins us. Hello, Simon. Morning, guys. Afternoon, whatever it is. <laughs> yes, uh, late afternoon, uh, early evening uh, here in Melbourne. It's uh, probably a game that's probably occurred a little bit earlier in the tournament, this one, than we might have thought, the Socceroos v South Korea. Is it, is it hard to get a gauge on, Simon? Because the South Koreans, the star started, they haven't been firing on all cylinders, and you'd probably say the same for the Socceroos as well. Yeah, look, that's a fair summation. I think it's a 50-50 game, but you know, certainly the most difficult one that Australia faced so far at this Asian Cup. And uh, should they win tonight, then you know the path really seems relatively clear uh, to the final. And that's no disrespect to either Tajikistan or Jordan, who they will face in the semi. But I think they planted their chances against either of those. Uh, so this is the big test. Um, and Australia have been efficient, uh, effective, but you wouldn't say they've been aesthetically pleasing. So tonight, I think they're going to have to step it up a couple of notches. Uh, South Korea have been up and down at this Asian Cup, as you rightly mentioned, uh, but they've got such you know, wonderful talent in their team uh, that Australia are going to have to really be on their game to stop them because, uh, you know, like Australia, they've been growing into this tournament and, uh, you know, they haven't won this Asian Cup in 64 years and they feel as though that's too long for a country of, of their standing to wait. Wow. And uh, look, they only won one and then drew a couple. And just looking a bit broader, Japan have also been stuttering along. We, we're a bit, you know, perplexed, I suppose, with Australia's form, which is, seems to get a bit of momentum. But as you say, it's not aesthetically pleasing. I guess uh, as long as we get the job done, it's okay. Why isn't why aren't these teams performing as well as what we'd expect? They've all played a half a season of football. They should all come together, really be firing for this Asia Cup. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, maybe the fact that we're midway through a club season is partly to do with that. Uh, you know, normally these uh, big international competitions take place at the end of the season, where you know they have a couple of weeks uh, break and then they're you know they're into a, a camp and. You know, they prepare for a World Cup or, or whatever the tournament is. Uh, this has come in January because obviously we can't play the Asian Cup in Qatar in the middle of summer because it's about 50 degrees. So <laughs> it has to be played in the Gulf winter. Uh, the, the tournament was originally shed, scheduled to be played in China, but they, they withdrew because of the pandemic a couple of years ago. Uh, so it's, it's a, a bit of an anomaly. Uh, and maybe that's part of the reason why those bigger teams haven't fired yet. You know, maybe one or two have brought injuries into camp or uh, they're a bit late into getting into the groove of of an international competition. But I think we've seen uh, in the round of 16, you know, even though South Korea, they had to do it tough against Saudi Arabia, really had to dig in and, you know, only got over the line on penalties. But 
they've showed remarkable resilience, even though you know they haven't been great. Uh, Japan the same. I thought Japan were much better against Bahrain in their round of 16 uh, tie. I fancy them to get to the final. They're, on paper, they're the best team in this tournament by quite some distance. I mean, they could pick two full teams and, and beat most of the rest of Asia. So I, I still think they're the team to beat. But uh, we're on the other half of the draw. And as I say, if we win tonight, then um, you know we could be looking at an Australia-Japan final, which is strangely what we had in the last Asian Cup in Qatar here in, in 2011. Well, it sounds very exciting. You paint a good picture. What's Australia got to do to knock over um, <laughs> South Korea? <laughs> it sounds pretty straightforward, Simon. <laughs> Please proceed. But um, yeah. what have we got to do with South Korea? Where that we know that they've got good players, but what's their style? Is it um, a challenge for Australia to, to match up against them, or is there an advantage to the way Australia are playing at the moment? Look, I actually think that Australia will be better tonight because South Korea will not park the mm. bus like Syria or India did, uh, or even Indonesia to a certain extent, because they're a better team than that. And I think it'll make for a more open game, and that can sometimes leave spaces for Australia to exploit. Uh, when they're, when they're def- uh, attacking against a very low block, which is what's happened so far in a lot of the games at the Asian Cup, you know, it's it's difficult to, to find a way through. You need those special players, uh, those number 10s like uh, Aaron Moy or Tommy Rogic or Massimo Luongo, even Aidan Krustic, who are players that, for one reason or another, we, we don't have at this Asian Cup. So it, it might be a better uh, opponent for Australia to face if that doesn't sound like an oxymoron because South Korea are a much better side than the other teams. Um, but they'll come out to play a little bit. Uh, Australia have defended really well. That's the one thing you can say about them in this tournament. They've only considered one goal. Uh, the South Koreans have cop seven. So, that, you know, they're a little bit fragile defensively. Uh, they changed their shape in the last game against Saudi Arabia to a back three to try and combat that. And it worked to an extent. Uh, so I think Australia need to do two things. They need to be compact defensively, which they've been so far in this tournament. I have no uh, particular concerns about that. But when they get the ball which might not be too often tonight mm. against a much better technical side, they've got to make better use of it. What we've seen from Australia so far at this Asian Cup is a whole load of sloppiness in terms of passing and retention of the football. If you keep giving the ball away, ultimately opponents as good as South Korea will beat you. It's been a Simon Hill. He'll be calling all the action on 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Uh, tomorrow morning, uh, Australian time as Australia take on South Korea in the quarterfinal of the Asian Cup. Uh, what are you expecting from the starting lineup, uh, Simon? Many changes from the from the 11 that started against Indonesia? Uh, there might be one or two. Um, you know, Graham Arnold doesn't tend to make wholesale changes, per se. Uh, I think we might see the reintroduction of Mitch Duke yep. at the point of the attack. Uh, You know, Mitch is his first choice striker. He's fit again after that hamstring strain. Uh, Had a little cameo against Indonesia. He was at the press conference yesterday saying he was raring to go. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mitch comes straight back in because he leads the line well. He defends from the front and he's a handful for opposition defences. Craig Goodwin is another one who's, you know, stuck his hand up for inclusion in the 11 because of his excellent cameo off the bench against Indonesia. I think he was only on for 10 minutes. He scored one and he assisted another. Uh, and Australia need his sort of pinpoint set-piece delivery, which is one of the team's strengths, particularly with you know big Harry Suter coming forward. 
So they might be the, the only changes. Um, there might be one or two more, but uh, I don't think it'll be too different from the one we saw against Indonesia. Simon, I'm sure you've had a bit of feedback on it. I love what you said the other day about uh, the sensitivities the Socceroos at times are when, that, when they are criticised. Where does it come from? I mean, the expectations internally for the Socceroos are high, whether we go to a World Cup, whether we go to an Asian Cup. They always expect to perform well, even though some people were surprised with how we performed at the last World Cup. So, so why, why internally do they think our expectations externally can't be as high? Well, to be honest, I think this is a growing problem in sport generally. Uh, I think with the fragmentation of the media, we are seeing sports uh, trying to control the message a lot more. I mean, it was the same with the Matildas during the Women's World Cup. Uh, you know, they copped a bit of stick for various reasons at, at certain points, even though, the, you know, everybody loved watching the tournament. And uh, they didn't like it very much. They, you know, they, they tried to control the message. And it's the same with the Socceroos. And, you know, we, we see it even at domestic level. Uh, I don't think that's a positive development, to be honest. The media... And fans on social media, which is where most of this has come from, let's be honest. I mean, we, we don't have enough writers left to be writing yeah. critical comments, certainly in the mainstream media. Um, it's, it, I think if it shows interest in the national teams. If, we have, if we're just cheerleaders on the, side, the sidelines waving our Correct. pom-poms, then we're not doing our job properly. Uh, and even if you're winning games, which Australia have been, to be fair, and with, you know, the media that are here have pointed that out, that the, the things that they've done well, you still have to critique. I mean, that's that's part of the media's job. Otherwise, you know, we're just cheerleaders, and, and that's not our job. Um, but I think it's it's reflective and indicative of a, a very much changed media landscape. And, uh, you know, really, it's up to all our employers to back us and say, no, 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 you're paid to have your opinions and to write critiques and... Uh, create discussion and debate. Um, and if they don't like it, tough. Uh, Simon, uh, in terms of the, the A-League, if I can just swing across onto, onto that one and the, the challenges that they have um, at the moment, and it's more off-field about how it's been run. A lot of people losing their roles. The, the on-field action is pretty good with Central Coast lifting up towards the top. Melbourne mm-hmm. Victory still undefeated. What, what's the future for the A-League? Um, how do they find their way out of this scenario? Because it seems like there, there is a bit of mismanagement in there um, and maybe some broken promises as well and leaving a lot of people feeling really hollow. I think you're being quite generous there, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, off-field, it's not good. It's not. And, you know, we've, we've got to, uh, again, recognise that, debate it and, and hold people to account to be better. Um, you're right that the on-field action is fine. Look, the, the A-League will survive. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. But it, it needs to do a lot of things better off the pitch. And the biggest thing that they need to do, really, is to uh, remember that football is for the, the fans that go and watch it. Uh, and we are constantly, as a sport, grasping for mainstream approval. Uh, we do that through various gimmicks and... Uh, tinkering with things like league tables, which is one of the things that came out a few weeks ago oh, that nobody boy. knew about. You know, all, all that cosmetic stuff is is a nonsense. You've got to connect with the football fans who love the game. And there are plenty of them. Uh, but too many have been disaffected by uh, a series of errors and missteps. 
and they've got to stop making them. And the other thing that, in my opinion, they need to do a lot better, and this this harks back to the previous conversation, they've got to communicate and, and allow debate and encourage debate. Uh, at the moment, there there is uh, you know a void, unfortunately, uh, from the APL in terms of media uh, communication. And that needs to change because we're all stakeholders in this game. All right, it might be a private entity, the A-League, but without the fans, there is no professional league. So, you know, that, that's that's one of the basic things that, that needs to change. There's a whole load of other things that probably require about a three-hour show. But, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, that will be a start. That's the global game extended version now for that one. Now, Simon, one thing the A-League is doing really well is uh, producing players, and you've got to give credit to Adelaide United. They are producing player after player after player. Joe Gauci, the latest, he's signed with Aston Villa. Um, good move for Joe at this stage of his career, going to Villa, big club. They've got the World Cup winning keeper there at the moment as their number one. Is it a good move for Joe, this one? Well, look, first of all, before I talk about Joe, and it is a great move, um, just generally, you know, we, we talk about the health of the A-League. This is the greatest advantage our game has over all the other sports. We develop good players. We can sell them overseas and make millions of dollars. Mm. Um, that's the beauty of a global game as opposed to a local one. Um, so, you know, the, it's, the template is there. The Adelaide do it very well. Central Coast Mariners do it very well. Uh, some of the other clubs, you know, not so much. But that money can now be reinvested into the academy, the next generation, produce the next Joe Gauchi, uh, which they can sell for another $2 million. And over time, you know, you, you grow your club and you grow the league. Uh, so far as Joe's concerned, uh, delighted for him. He's a super young kid, a great goalkeeper in the making. He's going to England to play for one of, you know, the great clubs over there, Aston Villa. He won't be a starter. Uh, but he will be learning off Emmy Martinez, yeah. who was Argentina's World Cup winning goalkeeper in 2022. So, you know, it could barely be better for him. Um, but as we know, obviously, it doesn't always work out. I hope and I trust that it will for Joe, and I'm sure it will because he's a great kid. Just going back to the Asian Cup, uh, Simon, with South Korea, um, there's been some managers under a little bit of pressure in this Asian Cup. And just looking at some pictures and reading some stories, is there an issue between the South Korean boss, uh, Jürgen Klinsmann, and his skipper, Son Hun Min. There does seem to be some tension between those two that's been pointed out. Is <clears throat> anything filtering around over there about that? Yeah, I, I haven't heard too much about that, to be honest. I think, you know, and again, back to our first conversation, I mean, goodness me, if the Socceroos think they're under pressure, you should see what South Korea are under yeah. here. And, you know, Roberto Mancini of Saudi Arabia, uh, Jesus Casas almost got attacked in a press conference after uh, Iraq went out. The soccerers don't have to deal with any of that stuff. Um, but with Klinsman, I, I think it's more the fact that he's trying to find the right role for Son Heung-min. Obviously, he's his best player. Um, he's played him up top. He's played him wide. He's played him a little bit deeper. Um, it, it's, it's trying to get the best out of him. And so far, he hasn't really been able to do that at this Asian Cup. Uh, so I think that's maybe where a little bit of the tension comes from. But uh, I was at the press conference yesterday with Klinsman. I tell you what, he's so laid back, he's almost horizontal. <laughs> um, so I, he doesn't look stressed. I don't know where the son is, but uh, I can tell you Klinsman isn't. I think son just needs to get back to Spurs ASAP, Simon, and the Socceroos can help him do that. <laughs> <laughs> no.
It's a gift. It's a, a gift. gift. It's a gift. He didn't need to needs him. Ange <laughs> wants him back ASAP. And Australia win at the same time. It's perfect. Uh, so give us a score prediction for uh, this morning, our time, Simon. Well, let's be positive um, and say Australia are going to win. I think it might go to extra time, maybe even penalties. So it might be a nerve-jangling night. It'll be a tight one, but... Uh, Hopefully, Australia can get the job done. Nah, it's going to be a cracker. Simon, as always, uh, appreciate your time. We can't wait uh, to watch in the early hours this morning on uh, 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Uh, enjoy, and uh, let's hope the Socceroos progress. Pleasure, guys. Enjoy. See ya.